0: got tell somebody. This someone is the best someone. thing I've ever seen. That. Let's talk about that. Let's you talk need about that. Listen to this. Memorable and exciting. Well, then be less boring. Memorable. I'm gonna tell everyone. Wait here. By remarkable big daddy. Remarkable. What?
1: Welcome to Remarkable, a podcast for B two B marketers that deconstructs the most iconic moments in film, television, pop culture, and advertising. For a single purpose, to give you, the B2B marketer, the same storytelling techniques that the pros use. In each episode, you will learn techniques from Hollywood, Pixar, Marvel, and beyond. From Spielberg's hands to yours, bringing remarkable content ideas to you every single week. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. This is remarkable. This week, (laughs) we're talking about B2B marketing (laughs) lessons from Jazz Zap. AKA Jazz Zapatos. Did I say that right?
0: Yeah, definitely. Either order <laughs> is fine. <laughs> what is my real name? What is not? Up to you.
1: <laughs> and how to use nostalgia in your marketing.
0: If you wanna be with me, baby, there's a price to pay. Whoa, Prince Eric from The Little Mermaid? Sorry, I didn't see there. I was practicing my singing. What are you doing here in my bedroom?
2: And you were like, we have a new producer. I was like, she sounds familiar and her name sounds familiar. And then I was like, oh my God, I think I follow her on Instagram.
1: That is Meredith O'Neill, our amazing producer extraordinaire for this show and many other shows at Caspian Studios.
0: We were all going through these things, really, I mean, men and women, like, or I should say boys and girls, were going through the same but, like, very isolated in our experience. Like, it was only happening to us and it was, like, a huge deal and everything was very embarrassing when, like, everyone around us was going through the same thing and we just weren't talking about it that much because it was too humiliating.
1: That is Jazz Zapatos, a producer here at Caspian Studios, as well as a brilliant comedian and host of the Millennial Movie Club podcast. So the reason why we're having Jazz on today is because she's extremely famous and has made a (laughs) lot of very funny videos in addition to her daily duties as a producer here at at Caspian Studios. And um, one of the things that she... Harnesses in her creative toolkit is the power of nostalgia. And so, Jazz, starting out, like, why nostalgia?
0: I have to say, nostalgia found me. Mom, please take me to the mall. My zigzag part is perfect. I was just being like a generally funny gal. And. (laughs) and uh i'm not i'm not bragging it's just facts like i i like i really enjoy comedy i was the kid staying up way past my bedtime to watch saturday night live like i just grew up on comedy it's and it's what i am passionate about but sort of like anything you know if you're like playing to everybody you're playing to nobody you know it's like niching down is always uh, a good idea and I was sick at my parents' house and I lost my voice. And I just was thinking like, God, this is so annoying. But then I remembered, I was like, yeah, but remember when we were younger and it was like so cool to go to school and you lost your voice because you just like had a new voice and you're like, guys, it's not a big deal. I just lost my voice. And like, you just made you sound so... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if maybe that's only me, but it, I remember feeling very cool and people would be like, oh my God, say stuff. So I made a video about that. You guys, it's not a big deal. I just lost my voice. Stop making a big deal. Do I like sound so different? Brian, I can't yell. I lost my voice. I kind of feel like a whole new me, like a cooler, older version. I think I should probably sing all of Scary Spice's lines now. And people were like, oh, my God, you know, the response I was getting from people was overwhelming. And then that sort of launched me into this series of videos called 90s kid sexual fantasies. Whoa, Jack from Titanic. Sorry, I didn't see you there. I was just practicing my Irish step dancing. (laughs) <laughs> where it would be, I was just like, what else can I mine from my childhood? And it was like you being in your room, being like, <gasps> Red Power Ranger, what are you doing here? (laughs) Like (laughs) in my bedroom. Like, you want me to join the Power Rangers and like be and like kick out the Pink Ranger and be your girlfriend? Like, okay. And and again, like all of these things that I was like, look, maybe this is just very niche and weird to me, or maybe there's somebody out there who also gets this. And nine times out of (laughs) ten, Meredith raising her (laughs) hand. Nine times out of ten, there's like a bunch of people that are like, oh my God, I thought I was just this weird. And it's like suddenly you like have this community of people that are growing that just want to be like a reminded of a simpler time that's just full of fun and imagination, but also want to be seen And want to feel like they're a part of something and that they weren't so isolated in their experience growing up, especially because growing up can feel really weird and isolating sometimes. So yeah, I tripped and fell into it. And then I just realized like, oh, this is a thing that people want. And so now you cannot stop me from getting nostalgic on the internet.
1: So what types, like what's your creative process like for making this nostalgic content?
0: Mm, Good question I would say One There's a lot of like Walking down memory lane There's a lot of the things That I think about Like okay If I'm out And a song comes on At a bar And it's like A Spice Girl song Yo or no diggity or like something that like I grew up on that if I'm going to get up and be like, oh, this is my jam. Like, I'm like, okay, if I'm getting this pumped up about something or like see something in my newsfeed, that's like, you know, kids are making slime now. And it's like, oh, we were like the founders of slime culture.
1: Getting slimed became everyone's childhood dream.
0: Like Nickelodeon, like orange era (sighs) kids. And so... You know, it's, I, get, I get inspired by the things around me and then I'm like, okay, but how did I get weird about this in my own upbringing? Like, what was I obsessing over? Which is also kind of a fun way to look back and be like, just get more in touch with like, this was who I was. Like, this was the kind of kid I was. And I like to harness that now because I don't want to just be like a boring adult. Like, I want to keep some of that with me. So... Yeah, I go by what pumps me up and inspires me and what I also think people are kind of weird about too.
1: I think part of the problem for marketers is that we feel like our job is to be a boring adult.
0: Right? right? Like
1: like you're if you're selling, you know, accounting software or whatever it is, you just feel like, well, I can't really do anything creative. I can't really make Mm -hmm. anything creative. Or maybe you're not that type of person and maybe you are. Like, we work with a ton of our customers that have brilliantly funny, creative, interesting individuals that you can see the reins, like, that they put on themselves to just not put that stuff out into the world. Whereas, like, you know, you found this uh, niche of, you know, nostalgia plus millennials plus moderate levels of, you know, teenage (laughs) horniness
0: you want to take me to your castle? But what about Ariel? Wouldn't she be mad?
1: And uh, really cultivated (laughs) that. Uh, Don't don't
0: forget the lactose intolerance.
1: Here I go, here I go, here I go. Again, Uh, girls, what's my weakness? (laughs) Milk! Yeah, lactose intolerance.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I think, and I get that because I, just like in anything, right? Like you're, as a comedian or an actor or whatever, it's like, You're not making this for like other necessarily like other actors, other comedians, other whatevers like behind and the content that you make, no matter what your, what your platform is, it's not for you. It's for other people. And behind that CRM platform or behind Salesforce or behind whatever is a bunch of people that also made their Barbies cheat on each other. Or like, I think it's like remembering the humanity side of it where it's like, that's what you're appealing to really. And then once you're in the door, then yeah, you can work together and get strategic on SEO and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, like it means nothing if you're not striking a very human chord with somebody. I feel like to
2: some extent you need that, that cringiness to Um, the nostalgia too, especially with like 90s nostalgia or millennial nostalgia. Like that's part of it. Otherwise it's not authentic.
0: My $2,000 influencer course told me that people love authenticity and honesty. I would agree a hundred percent. I also think like the cringier you can get, the more accessible you become. The same thing if you're like pitching your company or your product, right? It's like you want people to feel comfortable with you. You don't wanna walk in like the jock down the hallway and make everybody feel like self-conscious and you know all that. Like you wanna level with people and so like for you to be like, hey, I'm not that cool, but like none of us are that cool. Let's have a conversation is a lot more welcoming. So like I say this all the time, like I have no shame. And a lot of what I do is like, these are the most embarrassing things about me so that you can feel connected to me in all of your shame, you know, whatever, you, whatever you're working <laughs> with.
1: <laughs> a key part of, of good of good nostalgia marketing is shame. Um, no, that's it's an interesting point. <laughs> I, th- I would say I would say the counter or the the same side of that coin is vulnerability, right? Is like we are very vulnerable in our work lives. Like you can get fired tomorrow for doing something stupid. You put your you know forty hours a week and your life into something. It is extremely vulnerable. Getting a promotion, not getting a promotion, getting a raise, not getting a raise, getting a bonus, like all these things that like feed you, let you go on vacations, let you, you know, get engaged, you know, pay for your wedding, do all of those things. Like it's so much a part of you that it's arguably the most vulnerable, that thing that we ha- all have other than probably our love lives.
0: I guess I'll be your girlfriend or whatever.
1: And, uh, yeah. and which is, you know, like, plays in in and out of work of like how your relationships are and all that stuff. And yet there's so little out there where it, it does show that level of vulnerability, right? It's like you right. have to be all tough and cool and great at your job and you're a rock star and you're a superstar and you know up and to the right and all that stuff. But the key to a lot of the nostalgia that that you represent is about vulnerability and connecting with someone who doesn't know if they feel seen.
0: It's true. And it I mean, it's really no different than being a bunch of teenagers going through puberty next to each other and not talking about it. You know what I mean? Like how much more like relaxed and like chill would we all have been growing up and like less freaked out if we had just, you know, turned to each other and been like, yeah, I need a tampon, like whatever, yeah. like g- every half this class does. Like, it's the same thing where it's like, like you said, everybody's got to be a rock star and be like on top of their shit and faking it till they make it. Whereas like, there's something really nice about like, just connecting with people on a vulnerable human level and realizing like, we're all going through the same thing. And if we can like work together to accomplish what we want to accomplish, like that's so much more fulfilling and and less stressful at the end of the day. <laughs> Sorry, am I allowed to talk about tampons on this show? Hey. Of course. More. Like you said, half, half <laughs> the people in the what's class... What's the rating? <laughs>
2: half the...
1: Half the... I, I don't know. I think half the people in the class have them anyway. So, uh... uh so That's true. Up.
0: I want to normalize, um, like, all cringe. Like, I just want to normalize everything we didn't feel comfortable talking about back in the day and today.
1: I love it. Anika. what are your thoughts on nostalgia as it relates to marketing?
0: I think... A
3: lot of companies use it just in like really subtle ways.
1: That is Anika Das, B2B content marketing manager here at Caspian Studios.
3: But then there are also like these huge ad campaigns that a lot of B2C companies do that are like really in your face nostalgia that you just can't hide from. Like I was trying to find B2B examples, but I just ended up finding so many B2C examples. And... I'm just going to, like, list a bunch off. So, like, Apple did a (laughs) Siri commercial with Cookie Monster for their, like, iPhone 6S promotion. And it's just, like, a baking tutorial with literally Cookie Monster, like, baking. And he's asking Siri for, like, the recipe and the ingredients. And I thought that was just, like, really cute, really funny, so sweet. Because most people, like, millennials, and I think even, like, literally... Most generations that are alive now know what Sesame Street is, know who Cookie Monster is. And that's just like something so random that they kind of brought back.
1: Hey Siri, set timer for 14 minutes.
0: Okay, 14 minutes and counting. Waiting for cookies.
3: I think like you, like people just want to like feel some sense of comfort and like relatability and feel like they're a part of something bigger so I think finding those um moments just from like history and like pop culture like tvs movies just like figuring out like what like collectively a group of people were into and then bringing that back 20 years later is just like such a like smart move I think it's like something that you don't see B2B companies doing and they really should be doing more of it just tapping into the current trends because I also feel like so much of it comes back like 90s are like in now I think like you like people just want to like feel some sense of comfort and like relatability and feel like they're a part of something bigger so I think finding those Um, moments just from, like, history and, like, pop culture, like, TVs, movies, just, like, figuring out, like, what.
2: Now we're gonna fill in our eyebrows. (laughs) Psych! Eyebrows aren't important at all. You really don't need them. You just need, like, a thin line like that.
3: And, like, people, like, Gen Z is, like, really into all things 90s from, like, fashion to, like, the shows that were on then. To like even like video games and stuff. So I feel like it's just like being on top of the trends and kind of like understanding
2: w- what your audience is into like right now. I think too, though, like nostalgia isn't nostalgia for everyone, right? Like, like Jazz's content wouldn't be nostalgic for um, boomers, you know what I mean. <laughs> right. So it's like I'm sure you have to also identify like who your audience is and who you're going to market to. I feel like something that's nostalgic for us won't be nostalgic for other mm-hmm. people.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, using Cookie Monster is brilliant because I mean that's like the sneakiest form of emotional manipulation you could possibly like. Cookie Monster <laughs> spans so many generations.
1: C is for cookie. That's good enough for me.
0: And I'm, like, just emotional listening to this commercial that I'm not even watching. So, like, yeah, I mean, getting specific, but then also knowing, like, who is going to just, like, clean house.
1: For listeners who uh, went back and listened to episode four, uh, where we did Mean Girls.
0: Get in, loser. We're going shopping. Regina's like the Barbie doll I never had. I'd never seen anybody so glamorous
1: we talked a lot about this idea of the setting of your story being really important. Because if you set something in like a high school, for example, or if you set something, create a setting that is very familiar, you don't have to explain the rules of the world. You can just put someone there and it's very obvious what the sort of architecture of the world is. And you can tell stories a lot faster when you have all of these like inherent tensions and different things like that. And nostalgia. And obviously, you know, using like mean girls for example is is all about nostalgia and and creating those moments and i think that in marketing you're trying to get some information across to someone uh about some pain that they have or something that is a pain in their ass or something that they aspirationally want to be towards and you want to like inspire action right like that's the point of it and nostalgia it takes your mind immediately back to that thing right we're talking about like boy meets world right it's like uh when the like final episode of the series of boy meets world like i remember that being such a huge deal for people or when stone cold steve austin uh brought the beer truck out and sprayed vince mcmahon on the stage and in the WWF back then, like those are these nostalgic moments, the dunk contest back in um, when Vince Carter did the, uh, got like the perfect, you know, like three perfect tens or whatever, five perfect tens or whatever that dunk contest. Like I remember where I was like sitting, drinking like a Mexican Coke with my brother, you know, at his apartment in college. Like I remember <laughs> that stuff. And so nostalgia allows you to sort of transport the person instantly back to that feeling, to that, whether it's a vulnerable feeling or fun or excited or any of those things. And it can engender real emotions so quickly. And that's why it's so powerful. So if you're putting it into your marketing and I see Carl Winslow, I'm like, this dude, I grew up with this guy. Like I grew up with Carl Winslow in my life every Friday, right? Was it Friday the...
0: Oh, yeah. T- yeah. T-T-G-I-F, TGIF. Right. Uh, it's like
1: I grew up with yeah. him. So it takes me back to the my friend's house and sitting on the couch and like watching that. All I have to do is simply control my temper. Yay, that's going to be tough. What are you saying? I can't do it. You said and when you can do that and you can engender that really good experience and then you can also say like, hey, by the way, you know, buy insurance it's a really good place to be as a marketer, to get them thinking and feeling and and happy and all that sort of stuff. And it's a much faster, much deeper connection when you can use uh, nostalgia.
0: Yeah, I think it, it not only transports you back to that time, but it transports you back to who you were. And I think, granted, like, look, it's, it's hard out here, adulting <laughs> in 2023. Like, it is a weird, crazy world and we are tired. But, like, to go back to that time, you're just like, it just, there's something energizing about it. You're like a kid again.
1: What's squishy, stretchy, and
0: transforms
1: almost anything?
0: Bloom ah! is fun you can feel. You're like, yeah, I can, I can make insurance fun. Like, you know, there's just something that I think, like, makes everything a little bit more fun and just reminds you of a simpler time and it makes everything feel like a little bit less daunting.
1: Yeah, I would say that brand and like what your brand affinity is as a company most importantly is like how people interact with your product right so if you have a software that is amazing like so for example we love canva here at at caspian it is you know one of the one of our favorite tools we all love canva it's great uh life-changing tool and technology right and we have huge brand affinity to canva like on our team because we love canva but If Canva were to launch a marketing campaign, that was a super nostalgic campaign about, you know, bringing back together all the cast of Boy Meets World, for example. We would be like, damn, Canva gets us. Like, that's pretty cool. They brought them back Mm. together. Like, that's a fun Mm. thing.
0: They did it for us.
1: Yeah. That's what you feel, right? You're like, they did it for us. Yeah. It's like, they're not Yeah, you're sure they're trying to sell more Canva, but I'm like, I'm already a Canva customer. So like, you don't got to sell me more. I'm already here. Um, I've been f- here for mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Uh, And that's like, that's a really powerful thing to just show who your brand is and to drive affinity. And like, that's what marketing is. That's what branding is about. That's what marketing is about. And allows you to say, like, I'll give these people a chance. Like, if it's a software or it's a or technology or any type of B2B company, where it's like, you're just looking for that door to just, like, give us a chance. And if you're speaking their language, that's great. But if you can engender some level of nostalgia, you're fast tracking to build a, a deeper connection.
0: Right. And I feel like we're so now catered to with like all of the content we consume where like algorithms remember what we like, like, you know, we're constantly being pitched to things in our language and our aesthetic and our vibe. And so it's very obvious now to us when like a brand voice isn't really like where we live. And so when somebody steps into that and like, you feel very seen by a brand, that's when you're like, hell yeah, let's do it.
1: Why are we so lactose intolerant?
0: Listen, (laughs) like (laughs) this was another thing where I was like, just thought it was me. And then I made one video about milk and the internet exploded. And I was like, oh my God, people, I have to say, like, anytime I make any content around like being a millennial that can't digest dairy, that's the they perform better than anything else like everyone's tagging their friends like haha yeah we're so seen like none of us can eat cheese anymore <laughs> listen i don't think any of us i i just think probably none of us are really supposed to be digesting dairy i think some of us are just better at forcing it than others like some of <laughs> us are just more honest with ourselves but i'm calling everyone out regularly on the internet about uh you cannot digest dairy in your 30s and 40s like what are you doing and people like to be slapped on the wrist a lot. People like to be called on their bullshit. That's another thing, you know? It's like, they're like they like, we see you, we understand you, and they're like, yeah, you get me, girl, and then we're closer, we're closer, and we're suffering together.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you throw the lactate in the purse, and you're good to go. Yeah, we're out here. I got you. I'm curious, you talked about how you create content for yourself of little things that you were weird about as a kid or something that's you know very sort of personal and vulnerable and all those sort of things. And this is always the way that I think about things too, is like, if I think it's funny, I, I think other people hopefully will think it's funny or interesting or whatever. And I think that most creators, I think you just have to, you have to be able to have that lens if you're going to try to make something great. But in the marketing world, in the B2B world, most of the time, 99% of the time, we're making content for people that aren't us, that in fact, we probably would not even consume at all. So I'm curious, like, how do you think about making content for other people, which is a different proposition?
0: Yeah, totally. I mean... That is just all about like, if you are involved in social media in any capacity, you know what people are just like devouring, right? Like, you know, what's trending, you know, what's going around like wildfire. And so what I try to do is like, I'm not somebody that's just going to like take something and recycle it and like, just make it bland because again, like I feel like if you're talking to everyone, you're talking to no one, you have to know like who you're trying to appeal to, even if it's not something that necessarily appeals to you. So it's taking the trend, it's taking the joke, the general joke or the gist or the trending audio or whatever it is, putting my personal spin on it and then just like seeing who that relates to because it's going to catch somebody. But I just think no matter what, if it's for you, it's not for you, you have to be specific Or it's just like, why, why make the thing, you know, make a choice. And for some people, there'll be a big payoff. And for some people, not so much, but at least like you're standing out, you're doing something specific. You're not just like, why would I drink 1% skim milk if I physically could, if I could have like my vanilla sweetened almond milk and my very fancy cereal. And that's not going to be everybody's breakfast choice, but the people who are about it are going to be really about it.
1: I think that my biggest takeaway for B2B marketers when trying to incorporate nostalgia into their marketing is that nostalgia ultimately is about secrets. It's about these secretive things and feelings that we had associated to things in the past. And when you experience them, like, you know, like whatever, taking the fruit by the the foot and like wrapping it around your finger or whatever.
0: Yeah.
1: Like those little things that, (laughs) You did as a kid, and then now you see on the internet that you're like, oh, dang, turns out tons of people did that too.
3: New tie dye fruit by the foot has the wild colors of a tie dye t shirt
1: it's this little <laughs> secret that you had that you thought that you were keeping about your weirdness or insecurity and it turns out you share that with other people. If you're making content for other people and you don't have those secrets and insecurities, you got to figure those out. Like you have to talk to the people that you're selling to, you know, we always say get to know your customers, but like what are the secrets that they that they have in their job that nobody knows about or people don't talk about and find those little things ask them how they used to do their job 20 years ago and make content around that. If you used to have to go physically mail the checks to all the people in the office on payday and you used to have to go to, you know, all the different whatever banks to get that stuff done. Like that person has really clear memories about that one for me was my dad owned like three vending machines this is like my job as a kid was like go help him with the vending machines and count all the coins and stuff that's
2: That's so cool cool. i didn't know you could do that it's adorable
1: yeah and so i remember we used to go to wells fargo and they'd be just loving snacks and my dad was probably not the best (laughs) vending machine owner in the history of the world We'd get there, and it would just be original Fritos left every time. <laughs> like every other snack was devoured, and uh, wow, yeah. and
0: yeah, I love that. Right, Sims.
1: and <laughs> and I was thinking, I was like, if I was to make a snack about you know people working in a bank, I would be like, take a photo of an old school vending machine that you got to like turn the thing and put your coins in, and. You go when you're super hungry, and you go, and there's all that's left is original Fritos and original Lay's. I grew, not surprising, I ate a lot of original Fritos and original Lay's growing up because that's what the Fazons had. <laughs>
0: Whatever was left, you'll dig the taste. I know what I like. I like Fritos, new scoops corn chips. Um, <laughs> but like that's like
1: a little secret that like I knew because I spent all these times in Wells Fargo banks, and like those are those little like weird secrets that that would make it you know a great piece of content if I was telling into to people in banking.
0: Absolutely. They'd be like, they'd feel so seen. There's a give and take there where in order for people to let you in, like you have to give a little of yourself before they're going to let their guard down and show you what's behind the curtain. And so like, if you can start from that place of vulnerability or just being per- like personal, just revealing something that personal, like a, a story from your childhood, that's going to make people so much more willing to give you the goods that you can then use to sell to them, but in a nice way, a way that helps everybody. I
2: feel like the you have to reach into something pretty specific to that group of people to really get a, an emotional reaction. And it has to be something that they had to have kind of forgotten about since, I feel like, where it's like, oh, I forgot about that. That's awesome. You know?
1: That's such a good point. Yeah. It's something that's, that's lost in their brain somewhere and you unsurface it. I mean, honestly, if you were to sit down with someone like one of your customers and just say, Hey, what was a day in the life like 10 years ago, 20 years ago? Like, tell me about what you did with your job back then. You know, how did you communicate? How did you talk to people? What stuff that you used to get mad about? What stuff that would make you happy. If you just sat down with someone for 30 minutes and just got them telling stories about how things used to be, I guarantee you that you could mine a bunch of really fun, funny, interesting ideas and things from that. So yeah, that's, my, that's our lesson today. Go talk to some customers and prospects and uh, pry into their past as deeply as you can get. All right.
0: <laughs> this was super fun.
1: Thanks for joining Jazz, we appreciate it.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Well, that's it for today. I hope you got some good ideas for your B2B content. Thank you for listening to Remarkable. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. Remarkable is created by the team at Caspian Studios, B2B podcast as a service. Caspian also creates fiction series for B2B companies. So if you want a business thriller, you can learn more at CaspianStudios.com. Hollywood style storytelling for B2B. And in today's episode, you heard from myself, Ian Faison, Anika Das, B2B Content Marketing Manager, and Meredith O'Neill, Senior Producer here at Caspian Studios. Remarkable was produced this week by Meredith O'Neill, mixed by Scott Goodrich, and our theme song is Solomon by Falak. Be remarkable and rise above the noise.